You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Sound over here. Oh, All right. Julia's up. You're, you're live right now. I'm you live. That? What's up? What's up? What's up, Clapback Culture? So glad to see you guys another Thursday episode. And I am live in studio, like I said before, with the Big O Show. What's up, Big O? Julia, Jesse, what's happening? What's up? No, well, first of all, you know, welcome back. Thank you. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's good to see you here back in the Black Media Matter studio. We, <clears throat> we've had a, a few different updates <laughs> and a few a few remixes to your lifestyle <laughs> since you was back out here in seattle oh yeah you know what i'm saying i mean do, do we go there now or we just oh yeah right look you guys i mean as you guys know um on the last show if you missed it in case you missed mm. it i am having a baby hello so i am five months along and caring very well very happy very healthy um and so. looking forward to having my first baby uh, so shout out to my baby daddy, Rodney, if you're watching, boo. <laughs> What's up, Rod? <laughs> so on behalf of um, your colleagues here at Converge Media, uh, we, we were doing some mathematical calculations because that's what we do in our free time. Oh, my God. <laughs> And yeah, I just, you know, y'all didn't waste no time. No, we, we <laughs> That's actually all said is like it was it was free Rodney. And next thing you know, it's like, oh, yeah, baby Kennedy or Cairo's on the way. So I mean, yeah. you know, it was very efficient in the use of your time. You know, it was planned too. like we we've been planning to have a baby for a long time. So we just got right to it. But this baby was conceived with a lot of love. Okay? Hello. <laughs> A lot of friction too, but yeah, I'm sure the love was there as well. A lot of love. I love my baby. I love my boo. Um, but we're really, we're really excited and really happy uh, to bring another, you know, a combination of the two of us into the world. And I feel like I'm old enough now. I got, you know, my career is straight. I don't feel like I'm sacrificing anything. I feel like everything is just in perfect alignment and it just totally manifested itself in the right way. So I'm All really, right. really happy and feeling blessed. And what's the due date now for baby Cairo or Kennedy? January 2023, you guys. So January 7th. I hope I can make it all the way to the 7th. Um, so we'll see. You know, my mom is guessing that I'll be deliver early because she had both of us early. But January 7th, 2023, I will drop the registry if you guys want to, you know, shower me with a few things. Shower <laughs> baby Kennedy or Cairo. Uh, hello. <laughs> There you go, Mr. Director. <laughs> that wasn't just a hint. That was a directive. So look forward to this directory, uh, Clapback Culture fans. And, you know, I mean, let's do our part for baby Kennedy and Cairo, you know. And also, I wanted to point this out. And, and actually here, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll wait till our photographer's up and run so we can get a shot of it. But Clapback culture. When 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 you take our, our anchor shows, which is no longer there. So actually, if I do the math, because morning, be up, morning update shows no longer on air, and the day with Trey is three or four months old, mm -hmm. and then beyond that, there is Seattle News Views and Bruce and Clapback culture. Clapback culture. Your show 
I just now just did the math and realized this. You have the longest running show on Converge. Yep. Wow. Consistency is key, you guys. <laughs> I'm not a, you. I mean, listen, I like to put in the time, as you can tell. Yo, this started <laughs> off as the post-election analysis show. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? This started off as the post-election analysis show. And now here it is almost two years later. Next month, November would be because it was after the election two years ago is when you came on here. You have the longest running show on Converge, my friend. Pass off Thank to you. you. And thank you so much to our viewers, you guys, because without you, like this would not be possible. So without our viewers, without, you know, everybody at Converge who puts in the work, shout out to Cuddy because he's also been, you know, rolling with us, putting in all the work. I know he'd be dealing with, <laughs> with all my stuff. Uh, so shout out to you, Cuddy, for lasting this long. I mean, I've, I've even sur survived my co-host. You're my second co-host. <laughs> yeah, look at you. You gone. You got the. So we got the photographer on the set. I know we got to launch this. So let's Let's do this right now. I'm sorry, Miss Sherry. Can, can you hand me that, that that little itty bitty thing over there? That gold thing. Go ahead, go grab that real quick for us. Uh, there you go. And so you weren't here for this big night. Mm -hmm. This this was thank you. This was our biggest night. And when in regards to TV, the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences. And believe it or not. They gave us an Emmy. Never should have gave you. No, no, no. <laughs> they gave up, but let me let me go. Just let me just hand this to Thank you. Thank you. You know what I'm saying? Our longest running show on Converge Media, right here. This is our longest running show. Clapback culture, Julia Jesse. So proud of you, man. Man, thank you. I'm I'm actually like really, really, really proud of this because. You know, a lot of times you can be a part of organizations and, you know, someone at the top can win an award like this. But I feel like at Converge, you know, I feel very valued. I feel appreciated and I feel like my hard work went into winning this, you guys. So thank you, Omari, for all of your mentorship and helping to cultivate the brand in a real way. But this is this really means a lot to me in my career in journalism and all the hard work. I think about our days grinding in East Africa. Well, well something, all of that something people this. might not know as well is that me and Julia, we go we go way, but we go back like racism. Me and Julia, it was it was over 10 years ago. We were working together in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, Nairobi, Kenya. And it was wild because Julia came over and we were we were working with, for a very big company at the time. And, you know, OB and O, I had other ideas and I started my own company, uh, uh, Dynamic Media at the time. But it was dope, right? We had no money, of course, like as usual. But I had Heineken as a client yep. and Moet Hennessy as a client. Yep. So I had the two best clients ever. And this was the start of social media and everything else. So we were the social media agency for Heineken for like three countries yep. and, and more Hennessy for like four countries. And we got to do a lot of dope and, stuff. Um, and um, yeah, Zantel as well over there. Zantel and you're, you're, and you're missing one more. Diageo. Yeah, exactly. And Diageo, which all, was all huge. The stuff. Yeah, because yeah, there was Belvedere and, in that and there was... Um, I mean, Stoli. Stoli, exactly. Yeah. Stoli Vodka was in there. It was tons of stuff. I Basically, mean, we, some, we was getting lit in East Africa while working. Getting paid. <laughs> getting like paid to paid. go out and drink, <laughs> you guys. It was 
but best times. There's, you have an interesting perspective that a lot of people don't because, you know, I tell a lot of people here where they see Converge in Seattle, they see one part, but they, they, they haven't seen me and us on the world stage. And that's really how we used to move around is like 100%. on the world stage. Listen, and, and that's really where a lot of, and we talked about this earlier, this is really where a lot of the hard work comes into play, um, was doing it, doing things when nobody's watching. And in East Africa, we didn't have the cameras on us. You know, we were turning the cameras on other people and creating social media influencers before it was even a thing. Um, so yeah. <laughs> man, it's, yeah. it's crazy to see all those guys in, um, Tanzania now just blowing up. Right. I mean, um, Millard oh, is 7 million followers. Millard IO is the, he is the TMZ, the shade room. It was the, the first with a billion views over there too. Oh yeah. And he he's been intern for us. And he, and he like responds to my tweet. Like he still <laughs> yeah, looks at my content. I'm like, dang, Millard IO sees my stuff. Okay. Shout out to you, Miller. Shout out one time to Miller, but I mean, even Vanessa M day and yeah. Omi dimples and, um, diamond platinum, diamond platinum on Netflix. Now a whole new like yeah. Netflix special Wiz kid. Man, all uh, those guys. all these guys that when the rest was, of the the rest of the world is like, yo, these guys are dope. Almost a decade ago, we were sitting there talking about all these people: Wiz Kid, Burner Boy, Davido, yep, uh, um, Mafiki Zolo, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Ay, Diamond Platinums, all these people, uh, Victoria Kimani, all, all these people. It was like a decade ago. We was like, yo, these people are the shit. It's gonna blow. Yeah, and so and to see it now, but. And they can see us now too. Shoot, y'all can see us I, now too, right? I, okay. <laughs> so this this means a lot to me. I know it means a lot to you, oh. But this is when we was in the trenches. I would have never thought we would have got to this point. So that that's for sure. We when we were sitting over there, and I mean, it, it ain't never. And even with this, it ain't like we went to get nominated or something, man. People just saw our work and was like, we need to recognize, converge because that's always who we've been. Is that we just really been focused on 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 our work? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But this is dope because it matches your hair and your outfit. And go ahead, tell them one time for the camera. Behold! All right, y'all. Well, look, behold, Norfolk State viewers. If you're watching, I also did this to, for you guys. My communications journalism class of 2010. Norfolk State. I'm bringing this home for y'all. Support Behold the Green and Gold. And look, let's go to commercial. And when we come back, we're going to jump right into the show. Stay tuned. You're watching Clapback Coach. Baseball is a beautiful game, especially when played in community. Earlier this summer, Baseball Beyond Borders took a powerful, eye-opening journey through the heart of the South, which included baseball, civil rights, and reconciliation. Our young kings hosted a baseball clinic at Jackson State University in Jackson, Mississippi, and hit the road to Montgomery, Alabama, by way of the historic Edmund Pettus Bridge, to visit the Equal Justice Initiative Museum and Memorial, all in an effort to ground our kings in their history and find serenity in the sport they love to preserve the cultural legacy. Join Baseball Beyond Borders on September 27th for the premiere of our film, Reconciliation Tour, at T-Mobile Park's Alice Pavilion from 3 to 5 p.m. Hear from those on the front line as well as special guests as we elevate our promise to bring healing through play. For tickets or to donate, visit BaseballBeyond.org or check our social media platforms. All right.
right, y'all. Welcome back to Clapback Culture. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but listen, social media and TikTok has gone viral, you guys, but viral in the wrong way. Did you guys hear about this new purge law that is coming out of Illinois? Well, I am here to bust down some of the misinformation because, baby, this is something good for the culture. There is no such thing as a purge law. Uh, we do have a quick video that explains it. So let's go ahead and play the video and then we'll come back and I'll break it all down to you. Stay tuned. Illinois will be the first state in the nation to end cash bail starting next year. And that is sparking a concern that more criminals could be out on the street. Brady Trimble is in the loop and uh, breaks down this law, which is called the Safety Act. A number of state's attorneys and sheriffs are sounding the alarm about Illinois' plan to end cash bail. They say it's going to make crime in the state of Illinois worse. The new law that goes into effect January 1st, 2023, gets rid of cash bail entirely. It also limits who can be arrested and held in jail based on the crime they're alleged to have committed. The Democrats who voted for this law say it's more equitable. You've been denied a bond because you're dangerous, which is good. Let's deny dangerous people bonds. But if they have a bond, we're saying you're not dangerous. We're just going to keep you in jail because you're poor. But those in law enforcement who oppose it say it'll lead to hundreds, if not thousands of people being released from jail as soon as it goes into effect at the beginning of the year. They also say it'll make our communities more dangerous with suspects in future crimes roaming free. There is nothing just and there's nothing, you know, uh, promoting safety about allowing individuals who choose to break the law to threaten and to hurt innocent people, allow them back on the streets to do it again. There, there's there. That's the opposite of justice. Um, and that's the opposite of promoting safety within our community. Now, listen, you guys, I always want to present to you both sides of the argument. So that was both sides. So let me break it down to you a little bit further. This law is called the Safety Act. And the Safety is really an acronym for Safety, Accountability, Fairness and Equity Today. And it's going to eliminate cash bail for the following uh, criminal offenses. So just bear with me real quick. Second degree murder, aggravated battery, arson, drug induced homicide, kidnapping, burglary, intimidation, aggravated DUI, drug offenses, and threatening a public official. Okay, now that sounds like a fully loaded clip. I'm not going to lie. But listen, what it's saying is, is that it's requiring pre-trial fairness. And so everyone is innocent until proven guilty. And so what's going on now is if a judge does not deem you um a safety risk, they're not going to put up um, a cash bond, right? They're not going to say, okay, we don't see you as a safety risk. We don't see you as a flight risk, but we still want you to pay $5,000 in order to be set free. So you're not going to be detained because you don't have any money. And so really it's not an issue of whether or not you're a danger to your community. It's really now you're being detained because you can't afford to go home. And so I stand with this safety act. Um, this is not about non-detainable offenses because you can absolutely still be detained if you are considered a danger to the community. So Amari, I, I pose this question to you. What are your thoughts on this new piece of legislation and is going into effect January 1st? Let's also keep in mind that New York is already doing this. And some of these offenses are also the same in Washington, D.C. and in New Jersey. It's the purge. 
<laughs> you know what? Uh, as someone who has a loved one, my son, O, who lives there in the city of Chicago, who unfortunately, like, it's crazy. I think that's why he don't tell me his movements these days. Because, you know, it's certain parts of Chicago where he says that he's going somewhere. And I'd be like, oh, man, can't sleep, can't do nothing. You know what I'm saying? Um, <clears throat> all of that being said, that like, yeah, I definitely got a bias around all of this because, you know, I mean, <clears throat> actually, if if you have a minute, I see it's your clock here. Do I have a minute? Can I go ahead? Go? All right. I think that. The the reason why this is getting a lot of pushback, you know, on I mean, one is the propagandists. People are always going to do what they want to do or whatever. But it's like as a community, a lot of times we don't have a willingness to hold people accountable for the crimes that they commit against community members. And I, I mean, let's just be real about that. You know what I'm saying? Like even right now here in Seattle. There's hella programs that are cool and I'm glad that they're there for people in reentry, right? But someone might have paid their dues to the state of Washington, but they ain't paid their dues for all the people, young people that they turned on the crack or all the people they turned on the heroin or all the fucking bank licks that they got young people running. So they pay their dues to the state of Washington and then they out and then they feel like now, now they're getting paid again because they spent 20 years that they're supposed to be talking about whatever. Like that whole system is, is it has some, some issues with it. Right. But more specifically to what, what you're talking about is that um, I think that this law has been mischaracterized. I think that's the biggest issue with it is that, you know, it was able to get on social media. I actually saw this a week ago with my son when he was here before right, he went right. back to Chicago. He showed this to me and we were looking at it like, what? Right. You could do this. You could do that. You can get without. So I think a lot of misinformation is around it because there's a wide variety of things that could occur that actually get a charge. And that's what people don't realize. And the police is also really good at articulating through their pen that you done done some fucked up shit that you might not have even really done, but it Absolutely. looks crazy on there. And now all of a sudden, you know what I'm saying? It's an offense that, that, that you're being held over for. And so I think that people sorting out like, Hey, these are offenses that aren't available, but then also a whole nother side of this jumping on a bandwagon and creating a narrative that's false. Both of those are true. It's not a, but I feel it's an end. Absolutely. And I, you know, I, I think you bring up a good point. If someone is going to be detained, it shouldn't be because they can't afford to bail out. Um, and we are innocent until proven guilty. Um, and so that presumption of innocence is there. And this is what criminal justice reform looks like. You know, it was a small conservative group that pitched this into social media that allowed it to go viral. And they, you know, tied it to um, the purge and put in the purge music and all of that as a scare tactic um, and to install fear in individuals um, after they see this. But I think this is what criminal justice reform looks like when we're having conversations about um, what the, the criminal justice system can and can't do, we have to look at the whole person. And so this is giving the judge the authority to take a look at the whole person and not condemning them because they're poor. So I think this is going to support a lot of black, brown and indigenous people who show up into the courtroom. And um, I, I'm all for this. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, the issue of whether you did something or accused of doing something and you're a threat to your, you know what I'm saying? If, if you bail, the whole idea of bail is to make sure that you appear. Mm-hmm. Irregardless of the crime. And, you know, clearly bail is set. The seriousness of the crime, the higher the bail. But the whole point of bail is that you appear. And if a judge feels that you're going to appear, then they should have the latitude to be able to to bail or or not bail based on this. A lot of people who PR, I think that there was a, a an NFL player who got in a domestic violence dispute here. You know what I'm saying? Who I believe was able to PR out. You know what I'm saying? Where if it was me or you, but that was the whole point is that this is a person who's employed by the National Football League, who has a home here, who's a business owner, yeah. who's not going to like get a passport and disappear somewhere. So a judge felt comfortable being like, you know what? I don't need any money from you. I have no doubt that you're going to appear. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Where, of course, if it was me or you or something like that, we would have had to put up a bond because the judge would be like, I don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. You could disappear on me tomorrow. I need a bail. I need a bond for you. That's the whole point of it is appearance, whatever. And so a judge being able to have some discretion to be like, oh, word, mm-hmm. menacing a public figure, threatening or whatever. Oh, yeah. We ain't got no history on you. You know what I'm saying? You don't even live in Illinois. You don't even whatever, whatever. Yes, I'm going to uh, require a bill as opposed to like, oh, you threaten a public official. You work at the school, the, you know, Chicago public schools. You've been here 30 years. You're a homeowner. Your kids are in school here. OK, I'll PR you. You know what I'm saying? So to me, it makes sense. But unfortunately, the narrative on this, my friend, has been cooked. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the PR on this is crazy. So, uh, you know, just listen, guys, make sure you guys go and read this bill. Read what's in the black and white. Make the determination for yourself because it's definitely not the purge law. Um, there's in some other news, you guys, there is a 17 year old Iowa teenager who is a survivor of human sex trafficking. Um, what makes this interesting is is that she was initially charged with first degree murder after stabbing her trafficker 30 times in his sleep. Um, But the judge gave her five years of supervised probation with a lot of terms and conditions underneath that. But the Iowa state law requires her to pay $150,000 to the man's estate. Let's take a look. Tonight, a teenager, the alleged victim of unspeakable crimes of human trafficking and rape, after fatally stabbing her alleged rapist, will stay out of prison. But a court ruling Piper Lewis must pay $150,000 to the family of the man who raped her. The events that took place on that horrific day cannot be changed as much as I wish they could. 17-year-old Lewis pleading guilty to involuntary manslaughter and willful injury in the 2020 killing of 37-year-old Zachary Brooks. She says he raped her multiple times in the weeks before his death. I wish the events that took place on June 1st, 2020 never occurred. But to say there's only one victim to this story is absurd. 
Her charges punishable by up to 10 years each in prison, but the judge taking a different path at sentencing. Ms. Lewis, I will defer your judgment. Lewis given five years of probation, but she could be sent to prison if she violates any part of that. Her conviction also carries an automatic requirement by Iowa law to pay restitution to Brooks's estate. The judge saying the court was, quote, presented with no other option. Lewis's attorney disagreeing at sentencing. If you defer judgment, Mr. Brooks' estate is not entitled to any restitution whatsoever. And he, frankly, his estate doesn't deserve it because of his own conduct. A GoFundMe started for Lewis has now exceeded that amount, saying the excess money will support her continued education. Lewis was just 15 when she stabbed Brooks more than 30 times in a Des Moines apartment. Officials say she was a runaway, seeking to escape an abusive foster home. Piper said in court that a man took her in before forcibly trafficking her to other men for sex. She testified that one of those men was Brooks, who repeatedly raped her at knife point. So you guys, this is an absolutely gnarly situation. I mean, it goes back to mandatory laws and, you know, just things there that you have to think about. But prosecutors and law enforcement officials, you know, involved in this case do not argue um, that this girl was sexually assaulted and victimized. And so it just seems very obscure that she would have to pay this $150,000 to the family's estate. I just can't, I just cannot wrap my mind around this. Yeah, I think that like, if you want to put it in technical terms, this is crap. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, come on, man. And the thing is, is it be crazy because this same judge and these same prosecutors and all these people are people who are like, yes, you know, the system needs to work more towards victims and blah, blah, blah. And this and that. here you are as a victim right here. But the victim is a young black girl. And so her being victimized isn't moving you enough to be like this law is crap. This statue is crap. So somebody who 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 was serially raped. A young woman who was serially raped at 15 years at old, 15 years old, as opposed to being like, you know what? This is something we need to change. You're like, oh, yeah, we're going to stick her with this hundred fifteen thousand dollars, hundred fifty, whatever, whatever the amount is. And <clears throat> by the way, if you don't pay it all off, you're now in default of the judgment mm -hmm. and everything else. I think it's horrible. You know, and it really just tells you when, when when people talk about the value of lives, we talk about this all the time. You know, what's the value of this young woman's wife life? Yeah, um, I think one of the best things that came out of this story, you guys, is that there was a GoFundMe set up and it's up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So her entire uh, restitution is going to be paid and the remainder of the money, um, you know, advocators are asking that she use this to go towards um, her future education. And so she has five years of some pretty strict uh, probation rules. Uh, the judge really peppered her and was saying, listen, this is going to be a tough five years and should you fail to comply you're facing 20 years in prison so we wish miss well, lewis good luck on I, this i just i just really want to go on the record and say that i think that's some bullshit too you know what i'm saying like this 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 judge uncle what, what's uncle's name <laughs> from uh from the boondocks <laughs> uncle, uncle, uncle ruckus, ruckus. <laughs> <laughs> the judge over here i mean this is a victim though 
And this is what I'm saying. I'm being consistent in my stance. That day after day here, we deal with people who are the victims. And a lot of times it's the family of someone who's a victim of a young person who's been murdered or killed or whatever. This woman, this young woman was a victim. And the way that the court has approached a victim of this crime, a victim, I think this crap is horrible. You know what I'm saying? I'm glad that whatever, maybe it's all going to work out or whatever. But you know what? Because this is a black woman, she's seen as a statistic. She's seen as anything but a victim. And you can see that in the news reporting. You can see we watched it earlier. Victor Blackwell from CNN, the black brother, was like, oh, she barely escaped prison time. Nah, cuz. She wasn't supposed to get no prison time. 100%. She was a victim. But that's what I'm saying when it's black women is so easy for people to put it in a box. It's so easy for black women to be victimized and, and, and people just like, oh, OK. Uh, so I don't know. I feel some kind of way. I, I think you are valid in feeling some type of way because she's not even a black woman. She's a black child. And at 15, Hello. at 15 years old, when this child stabbed her assailant 30 times in a bit of rage because she had been raped over and over and over again for months. Um, you know, it really speaks volumes to where she's at. She's going to have to live with this trauma forever. And I think it is, um, it is a disservice to her that the judge is setting so many high restrictions in terms of her probation. And I really hope that some of the money that was raised on her behalf is used to really support her rehabilitation um, because she is going to need wraparound services. She is going to need therapy. She is going to need a mentor. She is going to need secured housing. She's going to need everything. Um, and it's going to be an all hands on deck approach, because if you're coming from that kind of lifestyle, this girl was living in hallway apartments um, before all of this had happened. You know, she her background is that she was adopted and then went into multiple foster homes and, you know, kind of fled from abusive and disruptive lifestyle. And so this is not something that just happened to this child overnight. And so we really have to um, really think about the whole child in this situation and see how this plays. But Imagine you only have five years not to make a mistake. She's a kid. She's absolutely going to make tons of mistakes. That's just what happens when you're a kid growing up. Um, and, you know, she she's 17 right now, but she's probably 17 going on 11. You know, there's still that innocent little girl deep down inside of her that needs a lot of healing. So we pray for her and we we support um you know, Miss Lewis in her journey to recovery. But this is this is an absurd case, you guys. So we will keep you posted if there's any new updates. Yeah, but I'll give it back to you. I just think this is crap. And really, bruh, who's judge on this, it really it really should have been a different perspective on this. And I feel that like I don't really be trying to jump on the race thing often, man. You know, I, I let it be. But I really feel that this is a young white girl <clears throat> who fought off her the, the people that was victimizing her that was sexually tra trafficking her and everything else but I feel that the the criminal legal system would have came with a different approach on that and they're able to get away with this time and time again because a black child as you say if this was a white child then the approach would be different but, it would be yeah. 
All right, you guys. Well, listen, we do have some feel good stories for you. Uh, So the new preview, the trailer of The Little Mermaid came out and we have some strong black girl magic reactions. Let's go ahead and take a look. This is how black kids reacted to the new Little Mermaid being black. Is All right, you guys, did you guys see how much representation matters? So this is what I I really wanted to bring this to you guys and serve it up to you strong because representation really, really matters. You know, when I was coming up, I loved The Little Mermaid. I loved Beauty and the Beast. I love Cinderella. But to have those figures look like you, to be a little brown girl growing up and seeing your face, seeing your likeness on the screen is just so valuable and important. And, you know, this is just, it's such a feel good to see that. So um, Haley Bailey, um, you know, who is uh, Beyonce's protege, is actually starting as the Little Mermaid and it's coming out in March of 2023. I am so excited to go see this movie and I'm just, I'm really enjoying all the viral reactions of all the moms posting their little brown girls who see themselves and who just can't believe that they're on screen. So this is beautiful. And if you guys are going to go take your kids, let me know um, and post their reactions. Let, let us post it here on Converge so we can share in the joy. Yo, so a few things. It's like, one, I recognize what you just said, and that's dope. You know what I'm saying? And I, I mean, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna lie. I can be, be, sit here and be all uh, mean and tough and gruff or the one to, but watching those reactions, those little, those little girls, that was dope. That was real special, for sure. I would say, two, unfortunately, the hate is out. Mm-hmm. There's there's all these different groups, Christians against the Little Mermaid, and it's like yo, the Little Mermaid is black. I mean, it's white. This is this is crap. And and oddly enough, this doesn't happen often on YouTube, but there's more dislikes than likes. So 1.5 million people have disliked this video. So more people have disliked it than liked like it. it. But all of that being said is like, I think that it's, it's dope. I think that, you know, representation matters and everything else. But I think this is a perfect opportunity for us as black people, especially black people who make film and black people who, who you know what I'm saying, in that position. We make TV. It's a bit different than, than film. Is it? Yeah. Walt Disney and everything that Walt Disney did is, is going on 100 years. But Walt Disney was able to create stuff that that attracted so many people, even black people and, and representation, whatever. And so it's this is this should tell us why it's so important that black filmmakers and, you know, black movie makers and black entertainment, because right now we're seeking validation by Walt Disney making a traditionally white character black. Mm-hmm. But we really have the power and potential right now to, to be able to create and black our own. And it's like, yeah, we're older, so we're going to look at it different. But if our kids are seeing that now, just like it's one, two generations later, you know what I'm saying? With the Little Mermaid, the the Lion King, you know, I saw that, you know, when when I was in my 
I was a kid when I saw the Lion Kings, but a generation later, my kids saw a whole nother, you know, the, the Lion King. So all I'm saying is this is a wake up for us, for people that are in the content business for black folks that it's like, let's not 20 years from now have our kids again on TikTok be like, oh, my God, so-and-so is black. Let's use our platforms to start, you know, doing our own thing. Yeah, I think that it helps us roll right into our next story, which is Shirley Ralph, who just won an Emmy, just like us, Omar. We just won an Emmy, too. Um, but she won an Emmy for her uh, role in a comedy series called Abbott Elementary. And that was written by uh, uh, Quinta Brunson, who is a black screenwriter. And it's about um, an elementary school and, it, you know, growing up in an impoverished neighborhood and kind of like taking back and taking charge. And she did an amazing acceptance speech. Um, there's really no words I have for this. Let's just play the clip and we'll come back and talk about it. I am an endangered species. But I sing no victim song. I am a woman. I am an artist. And I know where my voice belongs to anyone who has ever, ever had a dream and thought your dream wasn't, wouldn't, couldn't come true. I am here to tell you that this is what believing looks like. This is what striving looks like. And don't you ever, ever give up on you because And this is why representation matters because still in 2022, we are still, she is the second black woman to win um, an outstanding role in a comedy series. And so we are still making triumphs in film. We are still making triumphs in media. And and this is this is a beautiful moment that should be celebrated. I absolutely love that she sang Endangered Species. Um, she really said that this is just a song that has always spoken to her heart and made her feel good. And it really is about the power of manifestation and planting that seed and going on and on again. This is the original uh, golden girl. You know what I'm saying? The original. Um, and there's just not enough we can say about uh, Shirley Ralph and all of the successful achievements that she's made and the paved the way for so many black and brown women um, that have come after her. And I just think this was amazing. I love a good viral moment, y'all. You already know, um, cause she was looking good. Okay, hair was laid, sis was in that dress. She was still giving, but just the power of her presence coming onto that stage and accepting that award and saying, I finally did it and I never gave up. So if this is not a manifestation for a story for you, I don't know what else is. 
Yeah. She, <laughs> she made a lot of white people uncomfortable. So, <laughs> so cheers to you. No, I mean, I mean, I'm not on that kind of vibe, like just to make, you know, whatever uncomfortable, but it's, I mean, man, I can only imagine what it's like to work in Hollywood and really be dope and really just be looked over. We, we really have, and this was the only year that we had it, but it was dope because we weren't looking for no awards. Right. We just been over here working, but now we got an award and now it's like, Oh well, man is, is finding go Emmy worthy is reconciliation tour Emmy worthy is soul pole Emmy worthy. You know what I'm saying? Is the truth with proof anywhere? Like it's all of these things now, right? And you think about it and, and you know, in your work and everything else. And I just know for sure and all due love and respect and everything to the, the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences here in the Pacific Northwest, because these guys showed up and showed out and that's how we won this award. But I just know that it's like, man, a lot of even how we do, we talk, we communicate, we translate. Yo, a lot of people don't get that shit, man. Mm-hmm. This is devil. Like, so like her accomplishment is big. Yeah. And I'm glad that she used that moment. And especially like us, we knew what was going to happen. But to not know, like you go there, you show up, you be there for three hours, you don't win anything, you go home. So for her not even to know like that she was going to win and yeah. be able to deliver that, that was that was fire. It was amazing. Um, and I think to your point, it just it adds so much value to the work that she's doing. And you're right. You know, now that we do have an Emmy here at Converge, you know, you always think about, all right, what, how do I take it to the next level? But I think that's always the energy that we bring here is what more can we do? What what's the next story that has to be told and and how can we be better? How can we do more? How can we continue to serve our community in, in a better way to tell those stories? that are often untold. And so, you know, I don't mind having that weighted responsibility on us to, to continue to achieve, you know, um, higher, higher, higher bounds. But, um, you know, I, I sit in a position of being humbled by it. You know, I think there's, there's a lot of work that we do and it's because we're unapologetically doing it for the people. You know what I'm saying? And as long as we remain authentic and stay true to the course and and continue to manifest and plant those seeds, we're going to be fine. So if we don't ever get another award, we'll be fine because we got it in what, two years? Yeah. Well, it took her it took her two, 25 to get two, this. Two years for them. Six for us, but definitely not 25. Yeah, no, 100 percent. Yeah. So this this is a this is and, a big deal. Yeah. I mean, you know, the thing is what you said to it's the exact same. You know what I'm saying? Anyways. All right, you guys. Well, look, I know you guys heard of the tragic Mm. news about P&B Rock, his passing, his murder on Monday. Listen, you guys, we have to talk about this. Do you think the geotag photo 
caused the murder of PNB Rock, you guys. I'm not quite sure. So I was having a conversation with my colleagues in here and listen, a lot of people go to the West Coast and go to LA and they think this shit is sweet. There's just no other way around it. No other way to say it. PNB Rock is originally from Philadelphia and he was out in LA. He went, you know, was having a good time. He was there with his, um, his girlfriend, um, I believe his uh, his child was there as well. And he went to Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. We all love Roscoe's. But why would you pull up to Roscoe's with no armed security? You went to the one in Crenshaw. You pulled up in a Maybach and you had hundreds of thousands of dollars of jewelry on your neck, on your wrist. And then you got into an altercation with your assailant after you geotagged a photo. So not only did he geotag a photo, but his girlfriend geotagged a photo and law enforcement officials out of Los Angeles are saying that is how the assailant found out his location, you guys. So social media has not been too kind on this. Um, there are a lot of celebrity reactions. Let's go ahead and put some of those up, Cuddy. Um, I, listen, you guys, like this one right here, this is a, a little boosie. And you guys can see what he's talking about. He's saying, you guys better be strapped. Okay. I don't know why you're out here. If you're not going to be ready to shoot, keep your, you know, keep your hand on the trigger. I don't know if that's good, good advice, Boosie, because listen, if, if somebody's trying to rob you, just give it up. Um, let's see what I think Nicki Minaj is next. Nicki Minaj said this. She said, you know, Pop Smoke, who's also on the same label as PNB Rock, you know, he he geotagged his location um, and he was uh, shot and killed in while he was visiting Los Angeles and robbed. in I think the I Airbnb I, that he I was, was there. there in L.A., I, I was actually there and I was actually I was two miles away from where Pop Smoke got murdered in L.A. And it was it was. It wasn't that he geotagged his crib. It was something else it was that a, he posted tag. that had an address. It had an address. It was right. a, a gift tag. Right. And the address was there and they showed up at his house. And again, right. it goes back to if you're in that position, you know, unfortunately, you are not a normal Man. person. You have to be, you know, you have to keep your head on the swivel. Let's let's get um, some more celebrity reactions to this. So this right here um, is just out of control. You guys, this is a DJ academics who had just did an interview with him just days before. Um, where during that interview, PNB Rock was talking about, um, you know, going into a retail store where he felt like he was about to be robbed. Um, he was also talking about, you know, how his girlfriend was really green and she kept trying to stop at all these stores. And he kept telling her, like, listen, I can't just go in here like we cannot change the course. Uh, so he kind of already felt like he had a target on his back. Um, so this is it's a really sad situation. Um, that this has happened. Social media is trolling his girlfriend um, and really putting the blame on her that, you know, that PNB Rock died because of this. Um, you, you can put that back up with Ice-T and then I want to bring it back to Amari for some remarks. Ice-T is telling y'all, listen, 
L.A. is not to be played with. Don't come here and play with these streets. A lot of people come from the East Coast and they think that is just sweet. They don't understand this L.A. gang culture. They really don't understand, I think, California gang culture as a whole. Um, and he he's telling you, like, listen, L.A. rappers are not going out wearing jewelry, not Snoop, not Cube, not Dre, not Kendrick. And the list goes on. It's not because they're broke. It's because it's dangerous. Why test the streets? All right. So I got uh, quite a few thoughts on this. One, if you want to go the label route, right? Like, you know, here's an artist. Why are you testing? Why are you doing this and everything else? What label is he on? Empire. So, I mean, if he's on Empire, that really, to be honest with you, I used to be in that music industry. Mm -hmm. Is this like that should really come down to like his manager, his not his tour manager, his street like road manager. You know what I'm saying? Of like, man, this is a dangerous situation. I've been in them rooms like, man, this isn't good. We should do this. We should do that. That's that's the label part. Right. And if you want to talk about the girlfriend and everything else, then I think that you have to tie in the one thing people aren't talking about. And that's the shooter. Come on. How the fuck the guy who pulled the trigger get out of this scot-free? Yeah. Everybody's like, oh, you know, they shouldn't have geotagged. They shouldn't have. Whatever happened to the guy shouldn't have murdered somebody over jewelry. And this is the thing. So we see response from Ice-T. We see response from DJ Weber. We see response from all these people and it's relevant. But nobody's saying like, yo, the shooter was wrong. Where's the value of life here? And and it's one thing when it's on a celebrity level, and this is, and maybe we're kind of detached and we're kind of whatever, but we find this right here in our own communities in Seattle Central District, in Seattle South End, where everybody is a problem but the shooter. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, if it wouldn't have been whatever, whatever, then blah, 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 this and that. It's like, yo, this person decided to pull a firearm and kill somebody. And so I think that that's the biggest tragedy about everything that's happening here. Fine. You shouldn't geotag. Great. You probably shouldn't wear your your hundreds of thousands of dollars of jewelry in, in uh, you know, in <laughs> L.A. Like people should realize, like, yeah, that's probably not a good move. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of other things. But I think that it's totally irresponsible for all of these big voices and everything else not to call out the actual shooters, the perpetrators of the crime. I agree with you 100% on that. And I don't think anyone, any celebrity has come out to say anything to condemn the shooter at all. And you make such a valid point in bringing that up because we are really quick to say, you shouldn't have been caught slipping, right? And there are ways to mitigate that risk. But at the same time, we have to change this this culture, right? We are so quick to kill each other over things that are invaluable. When it comes down to this jewelry, nobody's even going to pick this up to buy it. Okay. Nobody's going to want to put their hands on this jewelry. It's all marked. It's labeled. They don't know what it is. They don't want no parts. And in fact, even if the jeweler does pick it up, it's going to be at a fraction of its actual value. So 
it's very disgusting what has happened to PNB Rock. It's more disgusting, I think, that um, social media and celebrities are using their platform to come out against the girlfriend and make her who has lost not only the love of her life, but her child's father. Um, in this, who, who she's not even looking at as a celebrity, you know, um, to think about Nicki Minaj, a woman who is married with children who can probably put her foot in this woman's shoes to say, you know, it's your fault that you geotagged your location over some chicken and waffles. She's sitting with her man. She's not sitting with PNB Rock. And so Hello. if it were a mistake, then she made a mistake. And so will she be wiser the next time? Absolutely. But he wasn't either. And I think that we have to remember that despite L.A. gang culture and despite where we are with um, with this trend, this uptick in gun violence, this is not something that we ever need to um, condemn the, the, the girlfriend for. And we absolutely need to wrap our arms around her and tell her, like, this is not your fault. Because, in fact, even in his interview with DJ Academics, he already said he felt like there was a target on his back. So he already knew. And, and let's just be frank. If you pull up in the hood in a Maybach with a hundred thousand dollars or more of jewelry, somebody in the back not calling the hood your neighborhood and not your neighborhood uh, and your PNB rock, a waitress but, is calling and being like, Hey, PNB rock is in here. Somebody's posting and doing well, on social media. I mean, That's I, happening. hundred percent. But this is what I'm saying. What other community, this is what, this is where we're wrong. What other community, in our country, what other community where people be like, oh, the fault is everybody but the perpetrator. Yeah. And you know what? Until we're willing to look ourselves in the eye and be honest about that, you know, it's like, oh, she shouldn't have tagged the photo. And just for people who's out there geotagged, it's like when you tag, you're at, you know, the, the ice cream shop, you, you, you put on there on Facebook, you tag that you're there, who the geotag is. Look, look how crazy this is that normal, rational people have to come to the rescue here to be like, hey, well, what about the person who actually pulled the trigger? That you have celebrities with all these big platforms like, oh, well, they shouldn't have done this or that. How about the shooter shouldn't have shot? I mean, is, you know, all these people is it's horrible. I'll just I'll be honest with you. It's horrible. And that's where we're at right now. And then that's why when people, when we be hearing all this crazy stuff that people be talking about, like <clears throat> the criminals running the streets and everything else, well, shit, if Nicki Minaj is going to give you cover for murdering somebody, you know what I'm saying? Of Oh, it was the victim's fault. Why wouldn't somebody feel emboldened? Yeah, I mean, this is this is a fully loaded clip, no pun intended. Um, listen, you guys, if you're out there, Take the advice of the OGs. Please, you know, protect yourself at all times. Mitigate your risk. But should something happen, we as a community need not to go against the families in this situation and condemn the victims. This is victim shaming at its finest. But look, y'all, that is our show tonight. It's been wonderful coming in studio with you guys. I am so happy to be here um, and so happy to see the Emmy in person. Okay. Well, look, you guys, when you're not here, Omari, where can they find you? 
It's easy. I'm everywhere like air, man. Just breathe in, breathe out. <laughs> but you can also, you can find me on Instagram at Omari Saul, O-M-A-R-I-S-A-L. All right, y'all. And I'm your host, Jules Jesse. You guys can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Treasure of J-U-L-E-S. You know what it is. Until next week, be safe, have a great weekend, and peace. Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.